0: Could the sudden deaths of many doctors, young athletes, and young actors be linked to the COVID vaccines? Is the next pandemic going to arrive this winter, and how will the public health enforcers double down on vaccine mandates? Did the FDA disprove the allegation that the COVID-Pfizer vaccine creates a risk to pregnancy? Will reporting on the dangers of the COVID vaccine be enough to fend off the nationwide crackdown on getting vaccinated when the second pandemic rears its ugly head. This week on the Global Research Hour, as people getting booster shots for COVID-19 has begun to wade, and as more and more indications suggest that the vaccine is not safe and effective, we have a look at the possibility that a second, even more dangerous pandemic is on the way, with the vaccine already being prepared to increase numbers getting the jab. In our first half hour, we are joined by Dr. William Macus, who discloses his research into the dozen or so mainstream articles talking about a second pandemic and how the research patterns indicate this could be a man-made pandemic designed to increase cratering numbers of people not getting the shot. In our second half hour, journalist Naomi Wolf, returns to the show with recent updates into her research of the Pfizer report the company and FDA tried to keep out of the public eye and of the repercussions on her growing journalistically against the current of standard COVID reporting. On this week's program, Pandemic 2 and the New Pandemic Treaty Part 2, Countering Propaganda with Truth. Bringing you the analysis beyond the media headlines, the Global Research News Hour is on the air. Welcome to the Global Research News Hour for the week of December 15th, 2023. The program is funded by the Center for Research on Globalization, produced in collaboration with campus community radio station CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg. I'm your host, Michael Welch. The show seeks to provide listeners with access to analysis of some of the major issues shaping our world today from thinkers, researchers, and unique political personalities rarely addressed by major media. Our shows are featured on partner radio stations across Canada and the United States and available for streaming or download at the site globalresearch.ca. We acknowledge that this program was produced on the traditional territory of the anishinaabe Ininu, Oji, Dene, and Dakota, the birthplace of the Métis Nation, and the heart of the Métis Nation homeland. The descendants of the settlers should acknowledge the terms under which they have received the land and waters of Turtle Island, which were appropriated under the doctrine of discovery, faulty promises, and treaties, resulting in widespread colonialism and genocide of the indigenous peoples who were here first. Let reparations be paid in the present and the future and let us rebuild relationships with our partners built on respect. Now it's time for News Notes, a sampling of articles from the Global Research News site. Listeners should know that some of the articles may run against common messaging about sensitive subjects and are not all endorsed by this radio station. If the Zionist lobby had been required to register as foreign agents, their influence would have been moderated. Perhaps Israel could have found a reasonable accommodation with Palestinians in one or two states. Instead, Israel hardened into an apartheid regime, committing increasingly outrageous massacres. As Kennedy warned in 1960, Israel has become a, quote, garrison state, unquote, surrounded by quote, hate and fear unquote. the assassination of john f kennedy ensured zionist control of israel suffering for palestinians and permanent instability that comes from the article from dallas to gaza was jfk's assassination instrumental in strengthening zionist israel by rick sterling posted december thirteenth maybe even more importantly Why do so many supporters of Israel and the Israeli Jews themselves believe that this is a sustainable project in the 21st century? The truth is, it is not sustainable. The problem is that its disintegration could be a long process and a very bloody one, whose principal victims would be the Palestinians. It is also not clear if the Palestinians are ready to take over as a united liberation movement, following the final stages of the disintegration of the Zionist project. Will they be able to shake off the sense of defeat and rebuild their homeland as a free country for all in the future? That comes from the article, A Wall and a Watchtower. Why is Israel Failing? Ilan Pape. By Ilan Pape, posted December 14th, originally published on the Palestine Chronicle. In the 2014 war on Gaza, which lasted six weeks, Israel killed about 2,300 Palestinians. But now the Palestinian death toll exceeded 12,000 during the first six weeks and is edging upward of 17,000. The Biden administration has supported the genocide in Gaza and has done nothing to stop the Israeli war machine. State Department employees and White House staffers have also voiced condemnation of the unchecked and unrestrained Israeli war machine marching through Gaza, which has left no place safe and has caused the survivors to face actual starvation, according to the UN. America is the chief supporter of Israel and holds immense leverage over Israel but refuses to demand that they stop the genocide and bring home the hostages. That comes from the article, The U.S. is Complicit with Israel in the Genocide in Gaza, by Stephen Swahini, posted December 13th, originally published on Mideast Discourse. In a powerful conclusion, Marianne Wright shared a poem depicting a plea in Gaza for children's names to be written on their legs as a means of identification in the event of death due to Israeli bombings. While specifically referencing Gaza, she asserted that the sentiment applies universally to children in conflict zones including Ukraine, Russia, Palestine, or Yemen. As the Security Council debates the quote-unquote complexities of arms, transfers, and their impact on international peace and security, Wright's testimony emphasizes the importance of addressing the root causes of conflicts and fostering meaningful resolutions. She makes the case that this is not, in fact, a complex issue, nor should it be a debate. It is quite simple. More weapons only create more war and prohibit lasting peace. That comes from an article... Retired Colonel Anne Wright Unmasks the Truth in Arms Transfer Debate by Melissa Garriga, posted December 13th. About a month ago, a physician named William Mackis wrote an article about the next pandemic. He went through 11 articles in the mainstream press that were hyping the idea, journalistically, that a new pandemic was on the way. This doctor, however, suggested that this pandemic craze had less to do with protecting human health and more to do with preparing people in Canada and around the world for a new round of vaccinations now that the booster shots are no longer popular. Will citizens this time be prepared for the next round of vaccinations or the big pandemic? Will they be convinced this time to take their jabs? And if not, how will they cope with the next round of illness? Dr. William Mackis has been printing articles on nearly a daily basis on his substack COVID intel, detailing the deaths and sicknesses of multiple individuals who he says are linked to the COVID vaccine. He obtained a four-year undergraduate degree in immunology at New York University of Toronto, a medical degree at McGill University, and a five-year medical specialization in nuclear medicine radiology and oncology. He worked for AHS at Cross Cancer Institute as the head of the medical isotope set cancer treatment program and is an assistant professor in the department of radiology at the university of alberta and he's the author of over 100 peer-reviewed publications in international medical journals dr Macus, we are delighted to have you on our program welcome to the global research news hour
1: thank you very much for having me
0: you blame COVID for a lot of the deaths due to co- turbo cancer uh, heart attacks uh, of youth and, and dying suddenly. How did you first become convinced that these deaths, though tragic, were positively linked to the shot?
1: So I started looking into excess mortality figures for all the highly COVID-vaccinated countries. You're looking at excess mortality in Canada, for example, since the vaccines were rolled out. Um, the excess mortality in 2022 is on 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 the... Level of about um, one in a thousand, so we have excess deaths of about thirty to thirty-five thousand in Canada. Here in Alberta, the province where I live, uh, it was in the mainstream media that in twenty twenty-one the number one cause of death was cause unknown, and I can tell you I've spoken to many doctors, um, and you know they all tell me that doctors are not allowed to conduct autopsies. They're not allowed to conduct proper autopsies. And if they do, they're not allowed to do the proper staining of the tissues for the spike protein, for example, for the vaccine spike protein, or even for the other viral proteins. So doctors are not allowed to search for a cause of death that may be due to long COVID or that may be due to vaccine. They're not allowed to do it. And that's the fascinating phenomenon about this: is you see similar excess mortality figures in the United States on the order of one in a thousand. So, yeah, last year that would be about three hundred thousand excess deaths. There's a number of uh, publications that that talk about that. United Kingdom excess deaths, Australia, Japan, Germany; these are all highly COVID-vaccinated countries with a high excess mortality that no one is able to explain. And when, when you see it in the mainstream media, uh, when they ask the health authorities, they have no answer for it. Uh, and they you know they'll speculate, they'll say, well, well, maybe it's long COVID or, or maybe it's the stress of the lockdowns, maybe it's missed appointments, missed doctor appointments because a lot of uh, doctor appointments were canceled. That's the way they're trying to uh, mm-hmm. explain away the excess cancer deaths, for example. But no one really seems to have an explanation. But the smoking gun there is that, you know, if you want to have an explanation, all you have to do is conduct the proper autopsies in all these sudden and unexplained deaths. And I wanted to clarify just, uh, you know, with your introductory statement is that I do not claim that these deaths are due to the vaccine because we don't know. It is the number one suspicion that I have on my differential diagnosis. So as a, as a physician... Whenever you're faced with a medical issue, you take all the available information you have and you put together a differential diagnosis of the potential things that might be causing that issue. And then you conduct the investigations to prove what what is causing the problem. And and the proof that's required here are the autopsies uh, and they're not being done. And so, um, you know, I have my suspicions. And, and as, as a medical professional, you know, I put all the information together and, and I'm allowed to have my differential diagnosis. And you know what? Long COVID is on my differential diagnosis as a possibility. Mm-hmm. But we need to then conduct the proper investigations and those are not being done. And I can tell you, no one is doing them. They're not, The autopsies are not being done in Canada. They're not being done in the United States. They're not being done in UK. They're not being done in Australia, New Zealand. And the publications that have come out in the literature on autopsies where they did conduct such staining. There are a few reports from South Korea, from Japan, uh, from Germany, and and you know from a couple of research places in the United States. But in terms of the general public having access to that kind of autopsy being done, it is not allowed. Mm-hmm. And that is a huge red flag and a huge smoking gun for me uh, in that um, I believe the reason why these autopsies are not being allowed is because I believe most of them would show the vaccine as the cause of death. I believe the spike protein would be found in damaged tissues like the heart, like the brain, or it would be found in tumors. That would mean that the vaccines would immediately have to be taken off the market. And you've got a multi-hundred billion dollar industry that would come to a crashing halt immediately, and I think that's why the autopsies are simply not being done. There's too much money uh, in in this technology and in these pharmaceutical products.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, uh, getting back to your article, uh, you listed a number of possible culprits, uh, NEPA, Marburg and Ebola, disease X, uh, or a combination between one of those and, and influenza or RSV. Are you seeing more recent signs hinting at the particular form that the next pandemic is going to take? I mean, is it visible yet?
1: Uh, No, I don't believe it it is visible. Um, I listed these possibilities uh, for several reasons. Uh, I believe that the next variant, whether like the next COVID variant is not scaring anybody. Uh, You know, you will have, let's look at the vaccine uptake right now. We've got, we've got a new variant. Now it's jn uh, we've had recent variants like the Kraken variant, XBB.1.5, um, and these were actually what the latest booster shots were designed for, uh, the, la- the booster shots that just came out in the past month or two. The vaccine uptake right now of the latest booster, and we're being told that, you know, the original vaccines are off the market you know, they're not available anymore. And now you have to take the tailored booster, which is specifically tailored to the recent variants. The uptake is 10%. It's, 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 it's yeah. plateaued out at about 10%, give or take a percent, right? Yeah. And that is true for Canada, which you would expect the uptake to be much higher given the propaganda that the health authorities have engaged in. Uh, they're expecting uptake of 70, 80, 85%. The same uptake that we had with the initial vaccines and the uptake is about 10 percent. The same uptake, you know, you have the same uptake in the United States, in the UK, Australia. You know, there's only a very small group of people who are terrified enough to continue taking these vaccines to they're on their sixth shot or they're on their seventh shot. That number is only down to 10 percent which means 90% of people have no interest in taking these vaccines anymore, even if the health authorities are recommending them for all age groups down to six months old in Canada, and I believe United States as well for pregnant women and so on. So what you have a problem here is is that the problem for the authorities is that no one is afraid of the new COVID variants anymore. And no one wants the COVID vaccines anymore. You've got only 10% is not enough to sustain you know, this this multi-hundred billion dollar industry that's grown up around this mRNA lipid nanoparticle technology, certainly not enough to sustain all the factories that are being built around the world that will be producing mRNA vaccines, each factory producing hundreds of millions of shots. There's no demand for it. And so you're not going to scare people with a new COVID variant. What you need, if you're going to scare people... Uh, and this comes out of, you know, various uh, literature around vaccine hesitancy and so on, is you're going to have to scare people with a a virus that has a 30, 40, 50, 60% fatality rate. And there's very few viruses that can actually do that. And they're the ones that, you know, you've just mentioned, uh, Ebola, Marburg, Nipah virus, all of those can get up to 50, 60% fatality. There's also influenza H5N1. Um, and there may be a couple of other really exotic uh, viruses, um, like Lassa virus, there's, there's Zika. Um, there's some really you know exotic ones. But there's very few viruses that will give you that kind of a fatality rate. And usually, you know, they're viruses that don't spread easily. So, you know, you've got your Ebola outbreaks in certain locations. In Africa, they're usually very contained to a small geographical area. They're self-limiting. You know, they don't spread. And so if they want, if, if the pharmaceutical industry, for example, and all the people that they've bribed, all the politicians that they've bribed, the media that they've bribed uh, to scare people into taking vaccines, if they want people to come back and start taking mRNA vaccines again, they're going to need to scare people to such a degree that those people who said, I don't want any, any more COVID booster shots, are going to say, No, I need to get this new mRNA vaccine. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that can do that is something with a very high case fatality rate.
0: Mm-hmm. What if an actual thing, an actual pandemic came out that was not influenced by big pharmaceuticals and the pandemic? I mean, what would it, that? To end up taking a very different direction than, than the direction we're, we're seeing right now? Well, you know what? I mean, it is always possible that, um,
1: you know, there will be an outbreak of of some novel pathogen with, you know, with new mutations and so on. Obviously, you know, we haven't seen it to date. Um, where, where the interesting uh, situation arises is that, there's gain-of-function research being done on a lot of these pathogens to actually make them uh, more virulent and, and to be able to spread more easily um, among humans. And so, for example, for NEPA virus, there is gain-of-function being researched. Now, there was Senate U.S. Senate testimony last year about this. That that um, there is evidence that in the Wuhan lab, in the same lab, that you know we suspect there may have been a leak of the of the COVID nineteen virus that had gain of function research on it, that they are that they were working on gain of function research to enhance the transmissibility and fatality rate of the Nipah virus, for example. And I believe the Canadian Winnipeg lab was involved in sending some samples to Wuhan again with the Nipah virus.
0: That's the Winnipeg uh, lab, right?
1: That's the Winnipeg lab. So, so unfortunately there is ongoing gain of function research going on in labs around the world. And, and so, you know, we might be, we might be facing a situation again where, uh, you know, there is an outbreak of, of a, of a novel pathogen. And we're again, stuck wondering, well, is it something that's arisen naturally out, out of um uh, Sort of a sort of a natural uh, evolution um, among you know animals, and then it makes a jump to humans, or is it again something that's been released accidentally or intentionally uh, that was a gain of function experiment that scientists had been working on for years, uh, and and we might be faced you know with the same conundrum all over again, mm-hmm. um, but again I think it's it's important. Um, for people to understand that that you have to be, you have to question these things, uh, and you have to question every official narrative. Because when it came to COVID nineteen, we were lied to about everything that that was was part of the official narrative. We were lied to from the very beginning, and then of course once the vaccines were rolled out, we were lied to about the vaccines, about the safety, about the efficacy, um, and so on. So uh, my point is that question, like, don't approach, you know, an, any new pandemic with fear, uh, approach it with with an inquisitive nature, ask the hard questions, uh, and sort of peer back beyond the propaganda to see what's really hiding behind what the mainstream media wants us to believe.
0: So you, you say you have like a, a pandemic protocol as, as such, you know, a way to, you know, how are you going to address it? And then how do you, you know, how, how do you address it for yourself and for, for your loved ones? Yes,
1: it, it's basically almost like a logical exercise, uh, and you know, I, I sort of call it sort of a three-step guide to to Dr. Maccus's guide to new pandemics. But it really is just a mental exercise, and and the mental exercise is as follows: you you look at whatever pathogen is being talked about as as let's say there's an outbreak of a new pathogen, and they tell us it's Nipah virus. It started in this, you know, this local village, several hundred people are sick. WHO is flying people out there and so on. Well, learn about the NEPA virus. What is it? And, 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 and so on. But more importantly, has there been any gain of function research done about uh, that particular virus? And I think that's very important. Um, and, you know, you can find that information. So number one, has there been gain of function research done recently? Uh, number two, have there been simulation exercises already done on this virus? Um, and interestingly, for example, there was a big tabletop exercise done by John Hopkins. I believe it was 2018 on the Nipah virus. And it was supposed to be like a hybrid between a Nipah virus and and like an influenza so that it was more easily uh, transmissible through, you know, as an airborne uh, airborne pathogen, because the NEPA virus, you have to get exposed to it with physical contact of contaminated, you know, fruit or saliva from the bats or what have you. But if it's been modified um, in some ways that it's much more easily transmissible through the air, that can only be done through gain-of-function research, for example. And they, they actually did this tabletop exercise. It was done uh, for a whole day. Uh, hosted by John Hopkins. It was called Disease X. And, you know, now we we hear about Disease X in the media, uh, but a lot of pop- people will not go back and find out that, well, there was a tabletop exercise, a simulation. And that simulation, uh, you know, I think over 20 months, they simulated 150 million deaths. They simulated shutting down travel. Uh, they si- They simulated shutting down Um, Even travel uh, state to state within the United States. So people were not allowed to go from one state to the other. Um, Of course, there were new vaccines that they simulated, uh, and there was a, you know, the vaccines, well, there was a limited number of vaccines. So, you know, you you had to give it to healthcare workers and you had to decide who to give it to and so on. Uh, Obviously, economic chaos and turmoil, political turmoil. Uh, And I believe in that particular simulation, what came out of it was that they had to nationalize the U.S. healthcare system, so bring it completely under the government uh, under government control. Um, now, these are interesting things to know about. Um, and, and there have been other simulations on other pathogens in the last five years. I think that's important to look at. And the last one, which I think is really important, which is where a lot you know the smoking gun is going to be, is, is there an MRNA vaccine? that is already in trials for this pathogen or or infrastructure has been put in place to quickly roll out an mrna vaccine for this new outbreak Um, and we've been told by the ceos of uh, pfizer and moderna that they have put infrastructure into place to be able to roll out any new mRNA vaccine for any new outbreak in less than six months, and they have distribute they have um, distribution infrastructure in place as well in collaboration with Gavi, or the Bill and Melinda Gates uh, Foundation, to be able to roll out hundreds of millions of doses of a new mRNA vaccine to the broader population. People have to be aware of this, Thanks. and to me, these are red flags and warning signs, uh, and seeing as to the uh, injuries and deaths that we've seen from the COVID vaccines, uh, you know, I personally would not trust any mRNA vaccine, no matter what the pathogen is uh, when they roll it out.
0: Okay, I've only got about 30 seconds left, but I just wanted to get your take on the National Citizens' Inquiry, which you participated in, as did I. I mean, are you comfortable with the process and all, all of the recommendations they put forward?
1: Absolutely. Now, the National Citizens' Inquiry, what's incredible about it is, is that the testimonies, it's the testimonies are key. Uh, there was over 300 testimonies. You had doctors. Uh, most of the freedom-fighting doctors testified, including myself. I gave a three-hour testimony. Scientists um, who've been you know, very honest about their work. Uh, there were people who were harmed uh, by the vaccine mandates. There were military, there's lawyers. I encourage people to look at some of those testimonies, you know, pick some of the testimonies that interest you, look at them. The recommendations are very extensive and it's basically an overhaul of our court systems uh, and overall of the way we approach healthcare, you know, the colleges that block doctors from being able to treat patients and so on. Like there's a tremendous amount uh, in terms of the recommendations, which uh, will obviously be extremely difficult to implement. And I think a lot of politicians will be scared to. One important thing to note that I want to note is that 63 politicians were invited to give testimony on behalf of the federal government and the provincial government, and they refused. They did not give testimonies to justify the measures that they took during the pandemic to justify the rollout of the vaccines and so on. Uh, so that is a key thing to note is that government officials refused to participate uh, in this.
0: We'll all be snapping on our safety belts uh, this winter. Dr. Mackis, it's it's indeed been a great pleasure speaking with you, and um, thanks for appearing on the show. Thank
1: you very much for having me.
0: Dr. William Mackis is a Canadian physician uh, with expertise in radiology, oncology, and immunology. He's won a Governor-General's Medal and is author of over 100 peer-reviewed medical publications. Uh, you could read more on his substack, COVID Intel. You're listening to the Global Research News Hour, broadcasting from CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg and from partnering radio stations across Canada and the United States. This is Michael Welch for the Global Research News Hour. Naomi Wolf was a Rhodes Scholar, former advisor to Clinton and Gore campaigns, and author of eight New York Times nonfiction bestsellers. Dr. Naomi Wolf has been creating globally influential opinion for 28 years. She's CEO of Daily Clout. Her most recent book is Facing the Beast, Courage, Faith, and Resistance in a New Dark Age. We had her on the show about seven months ago, and, and now she's back with some updates on her research into the Pfizer report. Files and documents unleashed through a freedom of information appeal, which was originally rejected and then released following a court proceeding. She returns to update us on the report and how the governments and medical authorities responded to what she released. It's a pleasure having you back on the Global Research News Hour, Naomi. Welcome.
2: It's an honor to be talking with you again, Mr. Welch. Thank you so much. Uh, So you spoke to us about the report findings back in May. Is there more
0: information you've gotten in the last six months that you would feel obliged to share with our listeners?
2: Oh, gosh, so much more. Um, right now, probably when I last spoke with you, we had about 50 reports up. And and for viewers who are uh, not sure about the details of that, um, I oversee a project called the War Room Daily Club Pfizer Documents Research Analysts. And it's 3,250 doctors and scientists who have joined forces as volunteers to read through the 450,000 pages of Pfizer internal documents released under court order uh, by a successful lawsuit against the FDA. And of course, the FDA had asked the court to keep these hidden for 75 years. Now we know why. So um, probably when I last spoke with you, I was already reporting uh, that they these volunteers have found in those documents evidence overwhelming evidence of the greatest crime against humanity in recorded history. And I don't say that lightly as the granddaughter of someone who lost nine siblings to the Holocaust, Um, but in terms of scale this is bigger. Um, We found at that point 1,225 deaths in three months, uh, thousands of neurological damage cases, strokes, heart attacks, blood clots, lung clots, thrombotic thrombocytopenia, uh, dementias, Alzheimer's, cancers, turbo cancers. Um, And many of these reports showed that the adverse events, including deaths, took place within 48 hours of the injection. Um, The liver damage report, the kidney damage report, the stroke report, uh, the adverse events were temporally located shortly after the injection. But the most um, concerning to me uh, finding, I I may not have, well, I have new news for you since then. Um, Six months ago, we were starting to be aware that there is a focus, an intense focus in the Pfizer documents on destroying human reproduction quite intentionally. Um, Whether it's their knowledge revealed in the documents that the lipid nanoparticles biodistribute, these are industrial fats coated in polyethylene glycol, which is a petroleum product. These, you know, the spokespeople said the material stays in your deltoid in the injection site. They knew that was not true. These materials biodistribute throughout the body. They traverse every membrane in the human body, but they also accumulate in the brain, causing or contributing to some of the cognitive changes people are seeing in their loved ones. They also... um, accumulate in the liver, the adrenals, the spleen, and if you're a woman, in your ovaries. So what's happening now, I got deplatformed in 2021 and globally attacked because I correctly reported that women were having menstrual problems upon getting this injection. And it's not um, surprising that if women are having menstrual problems in 2021, there will be fertility problems in 2023. And that's what we're seeing, a 13 to 20% drop in live births. So these industrial fats are accumulating the ovaries. There's no way our volunteers have seen that they leave the body. So the first injection, some accumulate, second injection, more accumulate, first booster, more accumulate. So now nurses are reporting that women having abdominal surgery, even if it's not focused on their ovaries, that their ovaries are blocked, right? suppressing fertility, uh, also messing with their hormones, but that's another story. Um, we know now that the lipid nanoparticles also traverse the placenta and, and, and Pfizer knew this. So midwives, uh, and a maternal fetal medicine specialist, James Thorpe, they've sent me pictures and descriptions of compromised placentas that women are vaccinated. Women are having the, uh, the calcifications caused by the lipid nanoparticles are keeping um, nutrients and oxygen from reaching the baby. And the placentas are flat and thin and shrunken. Unlike I me, mean, not to be gross, but you know, the cushy comfy bed a placenta is supposed to be for a growing baby. And they're also not, they're like two inches too small in diameter. So babies are being delivered prematurely or, and think about when is the last time you saw since 2021 a truly heavily pregnant woman right i mean most of us if we consider we haven't remember the way women used to look 8 months you know almost at their due date really there was a baby there visibly you only see very small um baby bumps now because these placentas are not big enough to hold a fully grown baby so women are also uh dying in childbirth now um rise in uh, maternal deaths because these placentas fall apart um, and and women have hemorrhages and infections, just like in the 19th century in childbirth. Um, Pfizer knew that there's something in the semen of vaccinated men that is dangerous to uh, women of childbearing age. Um, Pfizer confirms that you can transmit uh, or that exposure to the vaccine can happen through skin contact or inhalation, or sexual intercourse with vaccinated men, and they warn the vaccinated men in their study to use two reliable forms of contraception or to abstain from sex with childbearing age women. So, some something they still haven't told us is dangerous or damaging either to women or to the zygote, the the um, the implanted egg mm-hmm. of the baby. Um, Pfizer knew that uh, the lipid nanoparticles degrade the testes of baby boys in utero. Remember, every membrane, the, the casing of the testes are a membrane. So this is uh, causing damage to Sertoli cells and Leydig cells in in baby boys' testes in utero. Um those are the factories of masculinity uh, that switch on in adolescence, causing things that we think of as masculine, like you know, facial hair or deep voices or broad shoulders or the ability to father a child. So we don't know if these poor baby boys who aren't even vaccinated, right? They're just in their mom's stomach and their moms are vaccinated, um, whether those will be fertile men or or even look like men when they grow up wow. um, right. Right, it's a war on it's a war on gender among other things, but it's certainly a war on babies. There's this horrific document uh, called a uh, pregnancy and lactation um, report. It's eight pages long, and it was uh, produced in April of 2021. And it shows that Pfizer knew they two babies died in utero, um, and Pfizer concluded that the deaths were due to maternal exposure to the vaccine. So they knew they were killing babies. And instead of stopping, they kept going. And they also have this, um, they knew that they were causing babies to to uh, suffer and get really sick from nursing vaccinated moms because the mRNA and the spike protein and the lipid nanoparticles were getting into mom's breast milk through the lymphatic system. So they've got this chart showing these many thousands of babies are vomiting these many thousands of babies have chills you know or fever these many many thousands have their flesh is swelling edema you know these babies have convulsions one poor baby uh, had multi organ system failure and died in the er from nursing his vaccinated mom or her vaccinated mom and so this 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 set of nightmare outcomes for for babies and moms got sent on April 20th to the White House and the CDC. Three days later, Rochelle Walensky of the CDC gave a press conference, a White House press conference, stating to women that the the vaccine was safe and effective for pregnancy, that there was no bad time to get vaccinated before you're pregnant, during your pregnancy, or after you have your baby. And she had this document showing how um, deadly it was. Um, there's another section of the Pfizer documents that shows an 80% miscarriage or spontaneous abortion rate in vaccinated women, and there are now a million a million missing babies in Western Europe and, and in Western countries generally. Um, government databases show a, a dramatic drop in live births.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if you, if you got my, maybe one more like breaking story because I, I want to move on before our, our deadline. But uh, is there anything else you will, before I just adding there, that.
2: Gosh, there's so much. I mean, <laughs> I guess the other maybe the just, other big, one more, sure. The other huge headline of the last few weeks is that, and it's not in the Pfizer documents, Kevin McKernan of Medicinal Genomics broke this story. And so did uh, someone named Josh Gutzkow, who's in Israel. So the injections turn out, both Pfizer and Moderna, to have undisclosed plasmids and fragments of DNA in them. And that wasn't disclosed to Health Canada. They've confirmed it wasn't disclosed to the FDA. And it's um, it's a result of mRNA is hard to grow at scale it, for the giant amounts that they needed to inject everyone in the world. So they cut corners by growing it in E. coli, essentially using E. coli to, to grow it. And this is a, a, a result. You know, this contamination is a result. So people are being injected with contaminated um, injections. And the way uh, fragments of DNA in these plasmids react to your body is they can basically enter your cells and cause your body not to recognize or clear out um, invaders. And what that does is create turbo cancers, according to Dr. Ryan Cole and other oncologists. So I'm sure you've heard or your people's loved ones have, have heard or experienced Healthy people being diagnosed with cancer in April, dead by November. Um, these these super fast growing cancers, and so yeah, the the whole the whole rollout was contaminated.
0: Okay, I, I'm just going to play a, a clip because I, I actually interviewed uh, Peter Hotes, who's reported <laughs> to be a, a basically a successor of Fauci. I'll just play a clip and uh, you know ask you to respond as you will. significant effects on pregnant women. Spontaneous uh, abortions, miscarriages, and so on. No, it's again, some again. brained? No, no, this was caref- it. No, it's it's not the case. This was carefully reviewed by the Food and Drug Administration, again, which has an extraordinary uh, track record of monitoring for safety and efficacy. They looked at the clinical trial data for, I think it was, I forget which one was 44,000, it was 44,000, 44, 60,000 patients. In the Pfizer study, which is a pretty large study, did not find those uh, adverse effects. And in fact, there's now it's been well documented that there is no link between um, uh, mRNA vaccines and infertility or miscarriages. But I'll tell you what, there is a big link for COVID 19 to pregnant women. We've lost many, many pregnant women to COVID 19 who did not get vaccinated again because of some of this weaponized communication that you're citing. <laughs> so yeah basically yeah he's saying that uh, the FDA studied it and uh, they they didn't see any any problems with it and and then he switched over to uh, you got to get vaccinated or because covid-19 could interrupt their pregnancies uh, your response
2: I mean Michael that man is going straight to hell I mean he's <laughs> I, no I'm sorry I don't know what to say like that's evil of such immense proportions because he's lying he knows he's lying and He's lying in a way that's going to kill babies and he doesn't stop. I mean, what he said is just a lie. First of all, there no one, no one knows the denominator in the Pfizer clinical trials. It's not in the record. We know the adverse events and there are over 42,000 adverse events in just three months. Second of all, there are two distinct places and we've issued multiple reports about this that have gotten tons of media. Um, th- 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 that that he, he enumerate the dead babies, and and show and and Pfizer concluded that the babies died due to the vaccine. So how can how can not know that? And the last thing is, you know, our team has taken two years to issue ninety two reports. The FDA gave themselves one week to go through the documentation. It's four hundred and fifty thousand pages. So. Um, They ensured that they would not see what they did not look for, Um, but but it's it's just it's a lie, and it's not only a lie from our data sets; it's a lie from the VAERS database, which is a government database. That it's the FDA's and his job and the CDC director's job to monitor those signals. More babies have been lost in the VAERS database than in all of for this vaccine than all of the other. uh, vaccines combined. Last I, last I was informed, there's a dramatic safety signal for um, for for pregnancy and childbirth. And also, just look at like look at government databases on who's being born. Something is killing babies in utero, and it coincides with the rollout of the injection. This man's just such a liar. Yeah, the last thing I will say about his disgusting, horrible lies is when he says, oh, and they always do this, the talking points, oh, whatever you may say about whatever side effect you may mention, that same side effect happens to be caused much worse by COVID. Well, uh, among the most important findings in the Pfizer documents is that one month after rollout in November of 2020, Pfizer concluded that the vaccines did not work to stop COVID. Pfizer's language is vaccine failure and failure of efficacy. And in fact, in the Pfizer documents, the third most common side effect of getting vaccinated is COVID. And in fact, if if they didn't use um, funny math to claim 95% effective, if they, they got to that math by removing 200 vaccinated infected people, if they had done the math um, honestly, Uh, Hotez would have to acknowledge that more people who were vaccinated got COVID than the unvaccinated arm of the trials. So it's meaningless for him to claim that, you know, women could save themselves by by getting vaccinated because Pfizer concluded the vaccines did not work to stop COVID.
0: yeah. Well, you are an established journalist, and uh, I'm wondering: Were you surprised by the way your report was treated? Uh, you know, not just by hotels, but by the establishment of of the, the the health services, by by mainstream press, and and by government, and and by the way you yourself were treated.
2: Well, I'm certainly surprised at how I myself was treated because it's pretty shocking, and this is the subject of my new book, Facing the Beast. It's among other subjects, it's pretty shocking. To be a journalist for 35 years my beat being women's sexual and reproductive health, primarily, and among other things, civil liberties. And to have the same news outlets that had employed me for 35 years to be a commentator turn on me overnight with the same language, you know, conspiracy theorist, crazy, et cetera. I, I, like that beggared belief. And seeing how my... um my my bio changed around the world overnight uh, when I was deplatformed. That was hard to understand. Now we understand AI is deployed to, you know, smear people globally all at once. But um, if you step out
0: a line on COVID, then they'll put you. Know, he's a conspiracy theorist, or she's a conspiracy totally. theorist in the first line.
2: Totally. And now other issues like Ukraine or you know climate or you know whatever is sacred designated as sacred. Now we know that it was the White House that was directing that um, smear campaign. But what, what happened to me is not nearly as important as what happened to women and human beings around the world as a result of these discussions being silenced, right? So, what, you know, in response to your the other part of your question, while well, I've been attacked and dumped out of my previous life, and I actually found a much better life, which I also go into detail about in facing the beast. Um, you know, in the rest of America, right, outside the liberal media bubble, um, it is a a silence, right? Like, this is the biggest story, whether you like what I'm saying or not, whether you think I'm right or not, um, if you're the New York Times, the Washington Post, they should be engaging with this, right? Debunk it, right? Try to debunk it. I mean, you can't because all of the primary citations are right there embedded in the digital reports. But like, that would be journalism, you know, because this is the biggest story of, of our time. But but it's been silenced. To my knowledge, I don't know who brought up the, the miscarriages uh, clip. They didn't attribute it to us, but, you know, they've dealt with, the massive amount, legacy media, governments—you know, with some very rare exceptions—have dealt with the massive amount of evidence we've found that we've presented. You know, in these beautifully documented um, reports, uh, with silence.
0: Yeah, I noticed in your uh, your book, *The Facing the Beast*, which I, I read very quickly, uh, but you—you uh, you seem to—it's a—it's a collection of essays, essentially relating how the last three years altered the way you. Perceive people around you, and I, I think the way you presented is if like these three years were painful as hell, but at the same time it, it sort of transformed uh, your way of perceiving things and and people. Um, I mean, maybe I could, could ask you like you know as a collection, how how what's the most important remark uh, on on all of these changes in the single book.
2: Most important remark, Um, I guess the most important is that I concluded that we're in a a, a um, non-human, non-normal period of history. Um, I mean, it's not normal human history is a a better way to say it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Starting in 2020, something happened on the planet that I can't explain using my normal rigorous highly educated analytical tools it that doesn't look like history as long as it's been recorded by human beings and what I mean is usually um always when there's a a tyrant a would-be tyrant there are factions there's dissent there's backstabbing there are people who don't go along with it it things fall apart the Nazis didn't Figure, you know, think well in advance about how cold the Russian winter was. Like, there's some human error. But what we saw since 2020 was no, like, almost complete lockstep of evil, all with the same sound bites around the world. So, for me, I'm not asking anyone to believe this, I'm not proselytizing. But for me personally, I had to conclude that there's something spiritual going on and that the political landscape, the material landscape, is a symptom of what is really a battle between good and evil, really a battle for the human soul and for humanity. And that this is kind of a time of test, testing, you know, for, for human beings.
0: Wow. Uh, Naomi, I much of my recent reporting is focused on the possibility of a, a second pandemic, uh, you know, p- potentially even worse than the first. Do you think that, uh, well, between your book and, and speaking quietly now on the independent media margins, will do enough to 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 fend off yet another round of health you know enforcers and uh legacy media pounding into people's skulls to to get vaccinated and you know use distance and the lockdowns and all the rest of it?
2: You no. Know, um I mean I you know I do everything I can but I'm still gigantically canceled. Um and continually more canceled. Like Naomi Klein wrote a whole book trying to cancel me, and then I found out that Pharma was sending millions of dollars in the direction of her husband and ex- extended family. Um, no, but I, I do, I do think that there is a resistance, you know, in the United States, in Canada, in the West, and a lot of people are determined not to be fooled again, and you know, look at this the studies so, on you know people don't trust legacy media anymore so for sure they're going to try it you know they're already trying it um you know that the the fear messaging about the white lung disease which uh, the dissident doctors i've interviewed think is due to the vaccines and the masking um, or made worse by it and kids having not had normal um immune uh, uh exposure because of all the isolation and lockdowns um they're going to try it. I, I hope and pray that people won't go for it, but it just literally is country by country, state by state. For instance, I'm in New York state. Our governor keeps trying to establish quarantine camps and she succeeded in defeating an appeal against quarantine camps. Um, in Australia, people live in fear, you know, their, their democracy is crushed. Canada is a catastrophe as you probably know. Um, you know, they, 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 people can be, have their bank account switched off. The truckers had their bank account switched off. So, you know, central bank digital currency is coming. The digital idea is coming. So these people are not done with us by a long shot. But I, I do think if enough people resist, it'll be very difficult to enslave humanity.
0: Naomi, thank you very much. I've appreciated speaking to you again. And, uh, and best, wish, best wishes to you in the future.
2: Thank you so much. I appreciate it as well. Take care. Bye. Bye.
0: Naomi Wolf is the CEO of Daily Clout. Her most recent book is Facing the Beast, Courage, Faith, and Resistance in a New Dark Age. You can purchase a copy of her book by visiting the site Daily Clout, that's C-L-O-U-T dot I-O, and click the icon on the right-hand side of the page. This has been the last regular episode of the series for 2023. We will start again in January of 2024. We start each year with a summary of the year that preceded us, uh, listing our most censored stories next week, and the week after that is the holiday period, and we intend as a salute to a dear friend, Stephen Lendman, who passed away May 9th, 2023. Stephen Lendman will be missed. He was a contributor to Global Research for almost 20 years. Stephen Lenman took advantage of communicating on a variety of subjects. For example, he became convinced of the 9-11 attacks as a false flag. And while he was a Jew, he wrote, wrote in favor of Palestinian rights and against Israeli apartheid policies. He spoke on the war in Ukraine as a crime by NATO against Russia. He spoke on Syria, Venezuela, and a variety of other subjects that the media chose to misrepresent. He is the author of the 2011 book, How Wall Street Fleeces America, Privatized Banking and Collusion in Class War, and in 2012, the book, Banker Occupation, Waging Financial War on Humanity. In 2014, he edited the book, Flashpoint in Ukraine, How the U.S. Drive for Hegemony Risks World War III, all published by Clarity Press. He got involved in radio in early 2007 and then became the host, along with Professor Michelle Chosadovsky, of the Global Research News Hour. This was the first brand of the show that preceded the current show and largely had prominent writers and researchers of the time. I should say, Stephen was very helpful to me as I got started. He helped get me on the progressive radio network and supported everything I did for Chosodovsky, for global research and hungry listeners everywhere. And he often came in handy when I was short on guests and needed to help finding a quick speaker for the show. Mr. Lenman, your correction of mainstream media fairy tales will be missed, but we can still play some of the work you've supplied in the past. Rest in peace. For the next two weeks, we will play episodes from the distant past of the Global Research News Hour, hosted by Stephen Lenman, as a tribute to his work. And we will resume new episodes of the show in 2024 with a look at the past year. You're listening to the Global Research News Hour, a program funded by the Centre for Research on Globalisation and produced in collaboration with campus community radio station CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe, Ininu, Ojikri, Dene, and Dakota, the birthplace of the Métis Nation and the heart of the Métis Nation homeland. The show airs on partner radio stations across Canada and the United States and is available for streaming or download at the site globalresearch.ca. To leave feedback on this program, please email globalresearchnewshour at gmail.com. I've been your host, Michael Welch. Thanks once again for joining us.